Bobby's a nice guy in a tough spot. I will work my ass off to get us out of this hole. You know that. He owes a bundle to a couple of bone-breaking loan sharks. And is getting pressure from his wife Donna to get a job. What do I have to do to explain to you that we are broke? Are you idiots paying attention? Enter Reggie, the sensitive sales manager of the Southside Car Dealership. Why would I buy a car from you? You love me. He trains his sales force to do anything. And buries the mother... This is a great car. I mean anything. That's it, my friend. Are you gonna buy this car, man? To sucker every last cent out of the innocent victims that come onto his lot. Let's go. It's never enough. But Reggie isn't only dealing in cars. And Bobby's loan sharks are calling in their loan. Hey, Mason. We've been waiting for you to get home. That's when all hell breaks loose. scum when they're selling you a car. You should see them in their off hours. Louis Mandelard, Lori Loughlin, and Daniel Benzali. <laughs> Suckers, trust me, you're getting Get you some radio. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Welcome back to the Get You Some radio show. I'm your host, Terry Lancaster. And as always, if you'd like to subscribe, be sure and text Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, to 337 seven seven so those of you who've been around the block with me a couple times you know we talk a lot about the car business you know a lot of the folks in the car business are my people uh, I, I work a lot with car dealerships and i'm an admin for a group on facebook with about nine thousand automotive salespeople in the group nine thousand automotive salespeople, and i did a quick survey last week to find out what their all-time favorite movie about the car business was and the winner by pretty pretty hefty margin, it was a movie called Suckers. Came out about 20 years ago, and today I'm interviewing the director and the writers for Suckers, Roger Nygaard and Joe Yanetti. Boys, how you doing? Hey, good Fantastic. to be here. Thank you. Hey, Hello. listen, I, I appreciate you coming on and and and, uh, and and talking to me today about the movie. You're, we're talking because you guys are going to be releasing re-releasing the movie, doing a special 20th anniversary. Uh, edition this month tell me tell me what's up with that well it's been unavailable for a long time and never available in hd so we did a, a full restoration went back to the original negative rescanned it to 4k and hd and recolored it mixed it and, and recreated a new master so it could be released and available again for the first time and it, it wasn't really available on streaming before has, has it been streaming no. for a while yeah so so that's that's the thing everyone's streaming the movies these days so so everyone's going to have their hands onto it it's coming out at the end of august but let's go back to the very beginning and joe joe i want to talk to you sure. because you were in the car business you're you're one of us yes yes <laughs> I am. tell me I how am. that tell, tell me how that went and and tried to went. be one of us <laughs> it tried to be how long how long were you selling cars I sold cars on and off for a few years, and uh, the the initial thing was that I'm a stand-up comedian, yeah. and I was always on the road. And when my my wife and I at the time, my wife because the, we made the movie Three Wives ago, yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I've never I've never knew any automotive salespeople that got divorced. That's just crazy talk. 
I, I know it's very unusual, <laughs> but um, we, I decided I, I had actually bought my wife a book to read. And while I was on the road, I read it before I gave it to her. And it was all about what a woman's body goes through as a baby grows inside her. And it was so intriguing to me that I didn't want to miss any of it. And I was buying a car and the, the, the guy I bought the car from was not the brightest bulb. And I thought to myself, well, if they gave this guy a job, maybe I can get a job doing this. <laughs> and I went and there's, there's a scene in the movie that we're, and it's a, exactly what happened. The guy said, make me laugh. I'll give you a job. And I made him laugh and he gave me a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so what, what joke did you tell? So I saw the joke. So saw the joke that showed in the movie. What did you tell him to make him laugh? I I I, I think it was the joke that's in the movie. And and um, this movie's it, pretty it was, accurate. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty dead much. on a lot of it. Yeah. 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 And 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 it, it, they actually didn't believe me. They were like, "What do you do? What have you been doing?" And I was like, "I'm a comedian." And he's like, "Yeah, but what do you do for a living?" I said, "I'm a comedian." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, but how do you make money?" I was like, "I make people laugh. They pay me." And he didn't believe me. And then I went from a showroom in Atlantic City. They hired me. I had one more gig that was a three-week gig in Atlantic City. And I went from a major showroom in a big casino in Atlantic City to a Jeep showroom in California. <laughs> so, so that's where you were selling in California? Yeah. I, I started off at a, it was a Chrysler Jeep, you know, Dodge Plymouth Chrysler Jeep dealership. In um in South Torrance, Bay. California. Hawthorne yeah, South, Torrance. The South Bay, right? That's considered yeah. the South Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh and, and I'll give you just a little cute little story, but I mean I'd been doing stand-up for at that time, I think maybe twelve or fifteen years. And I, when I worked in Atlantic City, I worked with this magician and he never said a word, but he played this certain classical piece of music and I remember when I started selling cars, that music came over the background music in the dealership, and I just started crying. <laughs> I was like, how did, <laughs> how did I end up in a car dealership? And, uh, but it ended up turning out to actually do the, my, one of the biggest achievements I've had in show business was making yeah, we, this movie. You, you, you know the question I've got to ask. If you sold cars and we're talking to car salespeople today, you, you know what I got to ask, right? Yes. How many, I was how great. How, how, <laughs> how, how, many, how many did you sell? What was your best month? I, my best month was probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe 32, 35 cars. That's not bad. That's a good, that's, that's a good living, man. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I, I swear to God, this is true. Every person I made laugh bought a car from me. Yeah. Well, I, that, we, we, I tell people every day, you know, make, a friend, you make more friends, you sell more cars. The best way to make more friends is to make them laugh. So personality yes. and charisma... The NADA is, in spite of all the hoopla about car sales, the the the, the number one statistic is seventy one percent of people who buy a car bought it because they liked their salesperson. So that's ninety nine percent of the job. It's not it's not rocket science. You, you know, one of the things I never understood about car salesmen is while they're selling the car, they baby the car. Yeah. And I used to let people beat the hell out of the car. Yeah. And they're like, "You're gonna let me do this to this car? What if it breaks?" I'm like, "Well, if it breaks on the test drive." You don't want to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the car, the car ain't the product, man. You're you selling you're selling the uh, selling the connection and the personality there. So you got a lot of stories in the movie. You, you said how how much of these were real life? How much of these did you pull out of thin air? Uh, 
what, what, what was what was accurate, what wasn't accurate. Well, so Joe used to accurate. tell me stories, right? Joe would tell me stories about what he was doing as a car salesman. And I thought, wow, we need to write about this. The, this is amazing. And for me, it was from a psychological aspect, I found it amazing. Because these sales techniques or these psychological uh, tricks, psychological approaches have been in, in use since the first rug uh, bazaars in Persia. I don't know if you can see me, Roger, but I'm nodding with you. So <laughs> Not much has changed, right? Yeah. And so you need to be aware. You need to be a psychologist. A good salesman is a good psychologist. So I, had, I told Joe, we should write about this. So we got together in a hotel room in Laughlin, Nevada, when Joe was performing and started writing the story based on his life and his, the real scenes and the real general sales manager that Joe worked with who taught him what you see in the movie. I mean, how accurate, Joe, is our main character, Reggie, in Suckers? Oh, man. The, 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 Reggie was based on uh, this guy I worked with who was Persian. And, and, and they're um, phenomenal salespeople. And I loved working with these guys. But to your question is how accurate were things? Roger and I decided before we shot a frame of film that we never, ever wanted a car salesman to watch any part of the movie and say that would never happen. And I would say every single thing in the movie is based on something that really happened. There's so, nothing in the movie that, that wasn't really close to what happened at one car dealership or another. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're all true. I mean, I, I, I know of, of dealerships that have smuggled in cocaine uh, through there, and they, they, they've had to pull them out from the bottom. of the, that's, that's, that's all stuff that happens. The Foursquare stuff, spot on. The, oh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the 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 assumptive closing all spot on puppy dogs every everything you had you had all all the works in there what what did you know about the car business that you didn't put in the movie that I didn't put in the yeah, movie? yeah what what stories didn't make the cut what 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 was there anything that you thought well maybe that's just a little too much nobody would believe that anyway remember when we screened the film Joe and we yeah. we we finished the film when we brought the salesman in that Joe worked with and screened the film for them. And they said, I can't believe you toned it down so much. And we thought we were overdoing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you a quick story. Roger and I went to the dealership and we're, and we're talking to the guy that, that the, the sales manager is based on. And he tells a story about a guy getting a, a moth, a, a salesman coming to work saying he was late because he got a moth stuck in his ear. Yeah. And, and so the way Roger and I write, he'll, he'll say to me, I need a scene between Joe and Terry they have to be at this place, and this is how the scene has to end. And then I'd send it to him, and he'd edit it, add things, subtract things, and send it back to me, and we'd pass things back and forth. So he puts the story in one of his passes of the, the salesman having a moth in his ear. And I go, <laughs> come on, Roger. The, the, the guy was exaggerating. I guarantee you that never happened. He's like, no, this is hilarious. We have to put this in the movie. Yeah. So we're shooting the scene. And as we're shooting the scene, I'm standing behind Larry, the sound guy. And as the guy says, you had a bug stuck in your head. Larry turns to us and goes, that actually happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe like more than one person. And since then, people who have watched the movie have come up to us and told us that they know people who've had a moth crawl in the air and have to surgically get it removed. <laughs> there are probably some stories, though, that are apocryphal. We talked to the salesmen, and they would tell us stories about, you know, the old days, like throwing yeah. the keys on the roof and saying, how are you going to drive home? You might as well buy a car from us. Or taking the uh, trade and putting it up against the tree and burning out the clutch. Those seem unlikely to have happened, but they're great uh, 
great anecdotes that the salesman would tell. And Reg- Reggie tells those stories in one scene kind of as anecdotes as well. Yeah. From, from, from his olden days. Well, I tell you what's not, what's not uh, made up in hyperbole is, I mean, if you, if back in the olden days, if you, if you let go of your driver's license when you went in for a test drive, you didn't get it back till you bought a car. I mean, that was, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, one of the cool stories that uh, we didn't put in the movie, but not because it was over the top or anything, just to, we, we only had a certain amount we could put in, is where I was working. I, I didn't experience this, but I worked with a guy who did they have a thing called the borrow car agreement where instead of taking a customer on a test drive, you let them use the car for a while and they bring it back. Well, they did that with someone and they never came back with the car. And when the police showed up, they're like, how did they steal the car? And they're like, well, we told them they could take it. <laughs> and they're like, well, I'm sorry, but we can't prosecute someone because you gave them a car <laughs> and they took it. And, and there was this some technicality the way they did it that, and then the, the woman took the car to Vegas, went gambling, and they found the car parked in front of her house a couple of weeks later. So that, that, that part was real life then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we sexed it up a little bit, though, just for uh, entertainment value. <laughs> Roger, before, so before you, guys, before you worked on this, you guys worked together on this movie about the car business. You have a, another kind of a cult classic that you were working on. It was actually a documentary about cults. You, you worked on Trekkies. So if, uh, a lot of folks are uh, Star Trek uh, cultists and, and go, goes on that. So you told the story about these guys who, you know, who are full-blown Trekkies and go to the conventions and all thing. And you went from that to making this what's turned into a cult classic about the car business. What's the, uh, what's the common thread there? Well, as a filmmaker, I found that I really enjoy po- profiling subcultures of people, of humanity. And Star Trek fandom, fandom in general, was a fascinating profile or a fascinating subculture. And car salesmen are a fascinating subculture unto themselves. And I went from that to making a profile of UFO fanatics in a film called Six Days in Roswell when I went to Roswell, New Mexico and profiled that town. And that led me to making a documentary called The Nature of Existence, which is about belief systems and existentialism and it's a comedy all of these are comedies ultimately at the core and my most recent profile is about relationships people human beings and relationships it's called the truth about marriage and once again i'm looking for what is it what's the humor in humanity as well as the truth i'm really searching in each of these cases what is the truth that goes on in this arena this subculture as well as you've got to entertain an audience right first you've got to make them laugh and so all of my films are to me are comedies first and with a message underneath as well. And there's a message to suckers underneath the, that film. Okay. What, 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 what is your, I was going to ask you, you said suckers is a comedy, but it kind of, uh, it kind of switches about halfway through. It goes from being mainly about comedy and mainly the stories about the, uh, the car, the car business to uh to, you know, a full blown, uh, you know, caper. It's a caper movie after, after that point. So you, you got that going on. You switch, you switched gears on that and, 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 and drifted away from the comedy angle as much for the last half of the movie. Um, and, and then and, and what, what was the point? What was, what was the, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, takeaway that you're leaving in there? My favorite scene in the film, I think, is when Bobby feels like he's overdone it. He's had enough. He, he screwed this family too, too much and, and really feels remorse. And he, he's depressed about it. He comes into the sales meeting and tells the salesman how disgusted he is. And we really need to respect our, the customers and we're, the way we're treating them and making fun of them behind their back is wrong. 
And Reggie hears this in the shadows, and then he walks in and he makes an equally persuasive argument about you should be proud of what you do because if a customer takes money out of your pocket, you lose money if, you make a, if he makes a better deal. And if, and if you make a better deal, you take money out of the customer's pocket. What's the difference? Be proud of who you are. So you have two people making both very persuasive arguments. And the theme at the core of this film is how much is too much? And for Reggie, he has another scene where he, he says in his very bombastic, uh, overblown way, it's never enough, right? He'll push it. He fires a salesman, played by Joe at the beginning, for not selling the uh, floor mats for an extra $100, even though those are standard. But he, he felt like Reggie felt there's another 100 bucks to be made. He doesn't want to leave a penny on the table. And so throughout the film, our salesman, our new guy, Joe, the, the, the character is based on Joe, his name is Bobby, is wrestling with how much is too much. In the past, he feels like I've been too easy on people, and now I've got to really become more like Reggie. And by the end, he's faced with a dilemma. Should he take the money, not take the money? And his mentor ultimately is his team manager, Eddie, who tells him, uh, and Mohammed. They both sort of tell him, make the deals you can live with because you can make money. You, you can make a lot of money and still live with yourself. You don't have to, you, you've got to, got to find that sweet spot that works for you. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is when, when Reggie was doing that uh, enough is never enough speech, I, I actually had that conversation. I've had that conversation a couple of weeks ago with some, some folks in the car business <laughs> that enough is, and seriously, enough is the most dangerous word in the car business. So that <laughs> has not changed in 20 years. That's, that's still a speech that's giving on, uh, being given on showroom floors every, every Saturday morning. Or- and it's a valid speech. It's a good speech. And it's a strong point. And I love, Joe just told me a story, JB, but you can relate it, Joe, about how maybe a stronger sales tactic than than that than trying to rip the face off of each and every customer is repeat customers right if you can make someone love you and come back again three or four times and tell their friends isn't that what happened to you recently joe yeah just haven't uh uh, I'm not sure exactly which story you're talking about because there's so many. Well, you said a guy, he, tra- he, he sought you out and said, what can we do to make you happy? Uh, uh, you didn't seek him out. He sought you out and said, what, is there something wrong with your car? Why, what, how can we, what can we do to make it right? Oh, oh, when I, bu- I, bu- I bought this car, a, a Ford dealership here in Londonderry, New Hampshire. And uh, I was living in that, t- I live in a different town now, but I was living in that town and I bought this uh, Ford Focus. And I went, there, there were little things, it was a used car and there were a few things wrong with it. And I left the service department one day and this guy flags me down and he goes, hey, I, I check the, the manifest all the time and I see your name there quite often. Is it you or is it the car? And I said, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there's stuff wrong with the car or I'm just really picky. And he goes, well, if you don't want the car, let's get you out of it and get you into something that you like. And the guy was the owner of the dealership. Right. And so I went and I actually went, okay, let's see if it's the car. And I took the car on the highway and just wound it out. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with this car. It's me. And I pulled into my garage and I could smell the brakes melting or something. And I was like, no, it's the car. <laughs> <laughs> and I returned the car. He took it back and gave me a phenomenal deal on a brand new one. Yeah. And and it was loaded much more than the car that I had purchased. And since then, I have bought 
three cars from them. My wife's gotten two cars from them. My daughter's bought cars from them. Just because I couldn't believe that this, I've never heard of anybody unwinding a car after a month with no real complaints. Like I wasn't complaining about the car. Yeah. Well, you, you had the best line in the movie when, when, at the very first when you're, when you're talking that you keep telling the guy and, and, and it's just your stick that, hey, I don't want to sell you this car. I want to sell you your next three cars. Yeah. But the truth is that's how successful salespeople sell cars. Those guys who are knocking their heads off, most of those are only in the business a year or two or three. And then they're, they're, they're down the road doing some, some other thing. The guys who are in this for the long haul, they're doing exactly what you said at the movie that you yeah. want it to do. And yep. what this guy did to you, they're making friends for life and selling cars for life because cars don't come in, in sets of one. If, if, I buy, if I buy a car, my wife's going to get a car in six months. If my wife buys a car, six months later, Terry, Terry gets a new car. Cars come in pairs. <laughs> yep. You know, a funny story about that scene you're mentioning. It, it, when I get fired in the movie and the actor playing Reggie, Daniel Benzali, in the script, it's a, he kicks the car as I drive off. And he goes, what do you want me to do? Because that was really my car. Yeah, okay. And, and I go, I don't care. Kick the car. And he goes, you want me to kick your car? I go, kick the car. So I'm driving away. He kicks the car, and his heel leaves this black mark on my rear fender. And I could never get it out. And when I went and traded that car in, I told, you know, the people at the dealership knew who I was from the movie. And the whole dealership came out to see the mark on the car <laughs> that when, when Reggie kicked the car, it was like this, my car was a celebrity that day. I tell you, speaking of Daniel Benzali, the, the, the funniest thing I got from the what movie yesterday was everything, everything I've seen Daniel in before he's, he's this dead serious, you know, a little, a little scary guy. It looks like there's stuff going on underneath there. And then he was so over the top and, and almost, you know, almost a, a, a comic book character is just the way, the way he was just, that was, that was so out of character from what I've seen him before. Was that, was that a tough reach for him or he just, uh, he'd, he'd lay right into it. He's just a great actor. I mean, he's spent time in his trailer running his lines over and over and over again. He, he's, he's a machine. He's yeah. just incredible. Whereas he's playing against Louis Mandalore who kind of learns his lines enough and then likes to feel it in the moment. Two yeah. opposites. One guy uh, like wears a groove in his brain learning the lines. And the other guy comes in just kind of more loose and they play it against each other and it, and it worked really well. And one of the things, you know, it's funny. I went to a car dealership once because I was shooting a commercial, directing a commercial and we had to look at the car we were going to shoot the next week. And somebody mentioned to the uh, car dealers or asked the car salesman, hey, have you ever seen a movie called Suckers? It goes, oh, everyone here has seen it. They make us watch it in that room right over there. And he told them I was the guy who directed it and co-wrote it. And they all wanted to take pictures and sign autographs. And, and that was when I got the first inkling that this film had achieved a, a, an unusual status among car salesmen. Maybe kind of like, I don't know, like gangsters watching The Godfather or something. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, so another, Joe, another. Joe's, Joe's, uh, excuse me, uh, one second. No, ahead, Joe, jump in. Joe's a great motivational uh, speaker. And so one thing we were thinking of doing is once the film comes out at the end of the month on Blu-ray and DVD and on streaming at Vimeo On Demand, maybe taking this on the road to car dealers and uh, meeting with car dealers and doing special screenings and maybe uh, – Joe can uh, do uh, motivational speaking as well. <laughs> hmm. 
You know, one of the, the, the coolest things while we were shooting this movie is, and, and Roger's such a fantastic director and he wanted everything like down to the smallest detail. So in the sales meetings, there's a big board with all the salesmen's names and everything. I actually made that board exactly like the board where I had worked. And when we're shooting the scenes, you know, you're doing take after take after take. I swear to God, they turned into a bunch of car salesmen. And when I would walk in in between takes, because it's supposed to be over a certain period of time, and I would put up the numbers of who sold how many cars, they would actually start arguing about, you know, who stole more cars and how got, like, one was a better salesman than the other. I'm like, none of you are salespeople. <laughs> it, but it was so cool to see that happen. Like they, they really became just like a sales team at a car dealership. It was hilarious. Yeah, every dealership in America has the board and every dealership in America and everywhere, as far as I know, has, has salespeople arguing over the board. And, you know, you get down to half deals, you know, they, they are yeah, yeah. a half a deal. I'm, I'm ahead by half a deal. So it's like like six year olds. But I think you're right. This is just just like just like, a, you know, a mafia members watching watching The Godfather or something. They watch <laughs> this. They watch this because it uh, it 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 talks about them. And it and in one way it's making not necessarily making fun of them, but it's it's creating a caricature of them, and that's not exactly the way they are. But it and it's kind of the way they see themselves. So it, it rings rings true with uh, with folks, even if it's not even if it is over the top, and doesn't necessarily present them in the great, greatest of lights. One thing I did uh, another theme that's prevalent in the film and that was important to us to portray accurately is how. When Joe went to work, he realized he was surrounded by such a multi-ethnic group of people because anyone can become a salesperson and make as much as a doctor his first year if they listen to the general sales manager and do, do what they're taught. And this group of people who were Afghani, uh, Persian, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, all working together who had nothing in common – before that, now forced to work together and compete and sometimes turn deals to each other and cooperate, they bonded as a group and would make fun of each other and insult each other in ways that you would get excoriated for, but nevertheless, it made them stronger as friends and they became friends with each other, with people they would have never become friends with in the past. So in a weird way, it this competition brought them together as a as a, a bonded unit of brothers. Yeah, well, that in small 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 group uh, psychology is uh, is uh, deeply interesting. You want you want to if you ever want to look into that about anything from from foxholes to, to car dealerships. Are well, you I'm work- sure you know on a in a car dealership one of the things that we would try to do is take the other guys off the market and distract them so you could get the next customer. Yeah. And when you have that many ethnicities and religions and like there was uh, certain people that you would say one very particular thing about their heritage or their religion, and they'd be off the market for the rest of the day. They, you could get to them so easily. Yeah. And it was so, I remember one guy was selling a car. He was, he was a Muslim selling a car to a Sikh. And I mentioned something about, I thought you got like this uh, historical thing. And he was like, no, 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 he's very Americanized. I'm very Americanized. We don't care. And I left. And his boss said, no, really, man, why did you buy the car from you? He goes, I told him I was Christian. <laughs> <laughs> 
are, are, are you worried at all about them? I mean, this is, this is 20 years ago. So you got away with some stuff in, in terms of the diversity and, and the racism that you represented it that I don't know that you could get away with today. Are you worried about that for the, uh, the 20th, uh, the 20th release? It's certainly a time capsule and things have changed and will always change and continue to change. And the internet makes it, uh, customers today are, are far more educated than they were in those days as well. And racial relations has changed and will continue to evolve. And I believe this is an accurate time capsule of the way things were when we shot the film or had, had been in maybe the 80s leading up to when we shot the film in the mid 90s. Yeah. I also think a good part of it is that the people, like uh, they get back at the at the people that were that were uh, discriminating against them. Oh, the bad guys are definitely get their comeuppance in the end, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. So, so what's up next, guys? What do what do you, what do you got coming up? You got the re- the re-release of Suckers coming out in August. Uh, what what are you working on after that, and what's going on with you guys? Well, I'm working on, right now I'm editing a documentary about the Comedy Store in Los Angeles for Showtime, and I spend a lot of my time editing as well as making documentaries on shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm and Veep and Who is America most recently, and also I'm writing a book about uh, relationships to go along, that's out now, actually it's been published. It's called The Truth About Marriage. It goes along with my documentary about relationships, where in that film I asked, my core question is, why are relationships so hard for people? Why, are, why is it so hard for people to stay married? And once again, I'm fascinated by psychology and why people behave the way they do. My next documentary, whatever it is, and I've got a, several ideas, will also be explorations of human psychology, as well as being entertaining. And as I was mentioning, I'd love to go on the road with Joe to car dealerships with this film over the coming year and uh, um, meet car dealers and talk to them. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I think you I think it would definitely be uh, they would love to get you in there. And uh, Joe, maybe you could sell a couple of cars while, while you're out. There. <laughs> you know See? what? It's during, as a comedian, I've worked in some of the most prestigious venues in the world. You know, Caesar's Palace, Circus Maximus, and Radio City Music Hall, the Kennedy Center. I still get a huge thrill making a deal. Like, like to, to satisfy a customer and to make a little bit of money. And it's like this jousting that you go through. And, and if you do it right, no one walks away feeling like they were taken advantage of. And I still get a thrill out of doing stuff like that. Well, that's that's basic psychology too. The the thrill of checking off that box. I close this deal. Boom, done. Everybody everybody loves that. Roger Nygaard, Joe Yanetti, suckers. The twentieth anniversary coming out later this month. Be sure to look for that on on Vimeo on demand and on Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you could find links if you want to go to my website, rogernygaard.com or Joe. What's your website? It's just Yanetti uh, there we go. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you being on. Thanks, Best Charlie. of luck to you. That was great. Bye. Get you some radio. You've been listening to the Get You Some Radio Show. Subscribe today at terrylancaster.tv to hear more episodes, win valuable cash and prizes, and get free training to help you create an army of buyers who know, like, and trust you before they've ever even met you. It's a big, wide world, boys and girls. Get out there and get you some.